Good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and we have got a fantastic, fantastic show for you today. I'm so thrilled to have the guest who I have on, and we are about ready to get started. We're just waiting for one more camera to come online. As soon as it does, we will be live. I just want to thank my host, KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHSDenver.com. Uh, we are broadcasting not only here in Denver, Colorado, but all across the nation and all across the world, bringing you some of the best programs, some of the best uh, music, personalities, uh, all the people that you want to listen to. They're right here on KUHSDenver.com. And we're just waiting for this camera to show up. Good afternoon and welcome to the council again. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello. We've got a fantastic show for you today. Incredible guest. Can't wait to introduce him to you. And uh, just again, shout out to KUHSDenver.com. I really want you to, uh, to let you know that I've got a new book out. Uh, it's called Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. Uh, this is a book that I have been... Oh, it's been a, 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 a book that I put a lot of heart and a lot of soul and a lot of love into. And it's, uh, it was four years in the process of making, and it's finally, uh, it's finally here. <laughs> it's finally showed up here in, uh, in my hand, and it just came in the other day. This, um, this book is about, uh, it's about it's a, I consider it to be a self-help book for the soul. Uh, it, you know, we live in such a time where it's so difficult for us to be able to find time to do the things that are good for us, that are good for our hearts, that are good for our, uh, our souls, and we don't know really necessarily how we're able to do this. And so this is a book, a practical book of great spiritual wisdom, and it's broken down into this period of the axial age. It's a period in human history where there's all kinds of transitions happening of um, this, a lot of upheaval, a lot of trauma, a lot of violence that was occurring in the world at that time. And so people were trying to make sense of what was going on with them. And it, all these different areas from 900 BCE to, to 1200 BCE, excuse me, 900 BCE to 200 BC, they were going through this transition. It was happening in Greece. It was happening in Israel. It was happening in China and India, and they were having these, these, these big, it was like something was in the air. It was like something was in the air at this time that was um, just infusing these very deep philosophers and spiritual masters and poets and uh, playwrights and people who were um, trying to make sense of the human experience. And they were diving deep into it and, and coming up with virtually the same conclusions. That's what was so remarkable. And they weren't having any interaction with one another. They weren't having any like communication. It wasn't like today where you could go ahead and just you know, get on your Facebook page or get on some uh, uh, internet and being able to uh, you know, send information right away to somebody. It's not like that. Uh, they had no communication with each other. And so they were coming up with the same conclusions of self-sacrifice, not self-sacrifice, spiritual self-surrender and learning to find the sacred in tragedy and that uh, uh, part of to get into the to place of enlightenment 
was a, there was part of it was suffering and being able to understand how do we navigate through that. And so in Greece, you had Socrates and the Greek tragedy playwrights. That's who I examined in this book. Socrates was about the truth. The Greek tragedy playwrights was how do we, how do we purge ourselves from the emotions of, you know, through catharsis to get to that grief, that cleansing, that enlightenment that comes from grief that draws people together. In Israel, they were moving from a, um, a polytheistic idea of God into a monotheistic. You know, there were a lot of different uh, gods that were battling each other for um, hegemony out there. And the one God of Israel started to come into fruition. When you had Elijah, whose name means Yahweh is my God, when that became something that, was, uh, that people could rely on one God. And then it led to the flowering of the Axial Age for Israel, led to Christianity and Islam. And in the East, you had, um, uh, in Asia, you had Lao Tzu and you had Confucius, and they were really gearing towards how do we cultivate the sense of simplicity. And heaven and earth were together. They weren't apart from each other. There was this harmonious balance that was extended to human beings. And Lao Tzu, which is one of the chapters where I focus on, he thought there was only three great treasures that... Um, that he could give humanity, and that was simplicity, compassion, and patience. And so diving deep into these meditations about these things and being able, because we live in such hectic lives, how are we able to supposed to try to cultivate our souls? How are we supposed to connect to something deeper within us when our lives are so pulled in so many different directions? And Lao Tzu gives us these simple things that enables us to be able to really appreciate the things that are most valuable. And he talks about the Tao Te Ching. And then, of course, in India, we had the mystics of the Upanishads, who were diving deep in the, into the mysteries of human consciousness and plumbing what was really deep when we got, went beyond thought, when we went beyond emotion and feeling what was there. And then finally, uh, we leave in the last chapter is the Buddha. You know, he led us to nirvana, enlightenment. Uh, a man who was dedicated much like the guest that I have today, who was uh, dedicated to ending the, the suffering of humanity. He went out and he tried to understand why, how could we escape from our own pains and, and old age and illness and death and, and decay. And he went out on a journey to figure that out and he came back with uh, his uh, Four Noble Truths and uh, a practice that uh, has enabled millions of people to overcome their suffering. So it is a book that is, to, it is designed to help you to overcome those tribulations, to be able to cultivate those aspects inside of yourself that uh, you don't often get to. It's not a book that you read through and, and say, wow, that was great. No, it's about spending time with your, each of the masters. And there are questions after each of the chapters for you to answer, because any teacher wants you to answer the questions for yourselves. To find that, to, to ignite that part in you and your soul. And, if, um, you know, and I find that uh, if you'll spend time with these meditations and reflect on it and contemplate it, you'll be able to tap into a deeper understanding of who you are. It'll help you to, be, to live better quality lives. It'll help you to love your children more. It will enhance and augment your belief systems already, whatever they are. It will only help you to be a better human being. I think in our culture, in our society, we have an absence. We've lost our moral compass in a lot of ways. 
And this, we can only do that for ourselves. We have to get back into that real integrity within us and to be able to, you know, the soul has to be trained in the ways of the soul. Otherwise, the ego takes over. And, we've, and getting back to these ancient teachers is a way to be able to do that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dream come true uh, to have this book published. You can find it on uh, store, excuse me, www.store.bookbaby.com. Again, that's www.store.bookbaby, all one word, .com. It's also on Barnes & Noble. You can buy a paperback or ebook, Amazon.com, um, uh, Smith & Taylor, all kinds. Of, it's, uh, you can purchase this book worldwide. It's available right now, and I think you will find it to be of immeasurable. My hope is that it will bring you immeasurable benefit and value to your lives. Uh, if you don't believe in the soul, this book is probably not for you, but I still think that you will find, for those of you who don't, uh, especially the chapter on Lao Tzu, I think you will find to find it to be immeasurably invaluable because we can always treat each other with more simplicity, more compassion, and more patience. Uh, and I, I designed the cover on this. It was, uh, you know, this idea of reaching beyond ourselves to something greater than us. So... It's my, uh, my pitch. It's something that uh, I've dreamed about for a long time. Meditations with Masters of the Axial Age. Uh, next week, we're going to be broadcasting live, uh, God willing, <laughs> for all of you. We're going to be in Italy uh, and uh, broadcasting and celebrating the culture of Italy and music and uh, hopefully uh, some very uh, special experiences out there. Uh, as my brother's getting married, and so we're going to bring the council to you out there. The idea of the council is to bring people together, to bring cultures and ideas and people and philosophies and understandings yeah. to bring it a more inclusive world. And so we're going to bring you a little bit of the culture of Italy uh, next week. So tune into the council, uh, and uh, we'll be on Friday on the 19th, hopefully between 1 and 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Now, today's show is focused on healing through touch, the healing power of touch. If you think about a touch, when someone touches you, there, there's a sense of safety that comes with that. And people who have been traumatized or experienced any kind of pain or, or, or fear of, of, of connection, that sense of having someone who you can touch, who can hold you, who can embrace you, goes, it's, so, it's so primary. It's, it goes beyond any sense of, beyond our, our ability to communicate with words. It, it cut, touches us on a much, much deeper level. And so how do, we ta how do we tap into this power of touch? Well, my guest today uh, is going to help us to understand that. His name is G.P. Walsh. He's the wandering sage and is a true spiritual master full of compassion, wisdom, and playfulness. He's been teaching and healing for over 30 years and has touched thousands of people with the uncanny ability to just know what someone needs to make a breakthrough. He's an energy healer, meditation master, and world-class storyteller. He takes the most difficult teachings and makes them easily understandable and practical. His message goes beyond self-help to deep and lasting spiritual transformation. 
Jack Canfield, who's the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, called him one of the best storytellers in the world and personally invited him to become a member of the prestigious Transformational Leadership Council. His website is www.gpwalsh.com. That's G-P-W-A-L-S-H.com. Welcome, GP, to the council. Hey, Charlie. Wonderful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, GP, <laughs> could you just share a little bit with the audience, a, a little of your background? Um, well, I just... Uh, <laughs> um, I think we may talk a little bit more about uh, the, you know, because the, it's a show we really about dealing with uh, people and directed to people who have experienced trauma, which, by the way, is all of us. <laughs> yes. You know, we all have a PTSD, more or less. Uh, it's just a matter of degree. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was a very difficult childhood, um, very, in a very tumultuous time. Um, back in the uh, back in the '60s, and um, uh, but it culminated for me uh, with a completely uninvited, very deep spiritual experience that really just changed my entire perspective of life. And uh, like the Buddha, set my set my feet uh, on the path to try to discover what was the what was the cause and cure for suffering. And I'm so happy that you that you pointed that out because the Buddha is associated with enlightenment, contentment, and meditation, and all that. But the few realize that he discovered all that stuff simply because he wanted to alleviate suffering. Um, and and for him, he didn't even engage in philosophical conversations. If it wasn't directly related to suffering, he either just blew you off <laughs> or said nothing at all or switch the subject because it doesn't you know philosophical stuff is wonderful but if it if it doesn't alleviate our deepest uh, pains and wounds and bring us closer together i don't have much use to it for it and and i i think that grew out of the fact that for me discovering that spirituality was not a philosophy for me it was a matter of life and death i was just suffering interminably and i i had to find an answer right well i mean and if you don't mind me bringing up that you you were a uh the son of a, uh, a schizophrenic mother and an absent father. And yeah. you had your, some of your earliest memories were of being tied to your bed at night. And yeah. uh, so that you couldn't wander at night. And yeah. you had to survive years of abuse and neglect and emotional deprivation, which many people on this show who tune into the show have, have experienced. Uh, what, I mean, so often people come from these family backgrounds the trauma is so severe, it destroys our capacity to live a full life. What drove you to seek that deeper truth about your own life and didn't allow those traumas to cripple you? Well, I wish I could take credit for it, but I can't. Um, you know, I just wanted to be a rock and roll star, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, yeah. you know have, have girls throwing their underwear at me. That's, you know, I, my ambitions were not high. <laughs> uh, it was but it, you know it, uh, over time it just became increasingly uh impossible to suppress the, the the pain and suffering just became the intensity just became greater and greater and greater um until i was simply at my wit's end and i had no idea how to get out of it 
Um, I mean, I just became dark and morose. Even my best friends told me to go away. They didn't want anything to do with me. Um, and I just kind of like withdrew into this shell. And, um, but the, the beautiful thing is that I, I, I discovered um, it was really handed to me that I can say is true for everyone. You're really not alone in this. There's something very deep in every single one of us, that, that essential wisdom, that essential love, the truth of our nature, um, which is at work on your behalf. And uh, that's the only thing I can say, because I was definitely not a candidate for, <laughs> for, for, for the, the role of, of, of sage, wanderer, maybe. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but I was definitely, you know, know what it was. Oh, yeah, that, there, there, yeah, that one's going to be wearing robes. I mean, it was exactly the opposite. I mean, I was a drugged out hippie. My hair weighed more than I did. I mean, I was literally 112 pounds. I was totally emaciated. I mean, I was just, I was, a, I was, a, I was the disaster. Something had to intervene. So I had no family to rely on. I had, I was completely dysfunctional. Um, so something had to intervene, um, and it, and it did, and it just really opened up my heart to the point where I perceived the essential innocence of every human being, mm-hmm. and that set my feet on the path of going. Well, how in the world? Do we alleviate suffering? Yeah. I, I mean, I realized young that it, that suffering was not necessary. Well, and I think you're right about that, uh, GP. You know, you, you know, I had um, in my journey in life, uh, it took a lot of twists and turns. And uh, one of the things is I was that wanderer trying to figure it out, the seeking for something more than what I thought life was offering. And I did go through my drug phase. And, and you know, one of these epiphanies that I had was, I was in Thailand and I experienced a sense of everything being interconnected and it was like something opened up to me where the sky and the earth and the moon, everything was moving as one. But it was artificially induced. It was drug induced. It wasn't something that I could hold on to. But it opened me up to the possibility that there was something more because I was on a dark path. I wasn't a subconscious desire to destroy myself because of the trauma things that I had experienced. And, you know, many people who are tuning into this show are dealing with all sorts of different traumas-related issues. And they suffer from, you know, mild to severe PTS. Uh, Veterans are haunted by memories of war that sometimes have lasted for decades. People who have been raped or experienced child abuse when they were young have had enormous difficulty in being able to trust and to form healthy relationships when they're adults. They, they are so they have these issues that they can't connect on a deeper level. I think they want to, but they can't. And I could go on and on about all the dysfunctional patterns which show up in individuals you know, affected by violence and abuse and trauma. You say that the cause of all human suffering is inner conflict. GP, could you, ex- could you elaborate on this? Yeah. Um- the essential conflict that we all experience is a an alienation that happens between ourselves and ourselves, which sounds very strange. How do you get alienated from yourself? But uh, if we understand the way the nervous system works, it, it is an incredibly powerful and adaptive uh, mechanism. And its number one job is to keep you safe, to survive. And to fulfill that end, it will do absolutely anything. It'll chew off its leg to get out of a trap. 
And what we experience as trauma is the nervous system compensating for circumstances that are just so extreme and so life-threatening mm -hmm. that if it doesn't intervene, you're going to die. And it's not going to let that happen. So what it does is, uh, the, the, the easiest way to, to picture it, imagine some child, um, and this child completely innocent, no pretensions, no nothing. Everything about children is just absolutely authentic, right? Mm -hmm, yep. They see the shiny object, they reach for it, right? <laughs> right. They are simply self-expressive. Well, when you express yourself as a child, but you run into the, to the, um, the, the, the disfavor or diminishment or even maybe even abuse of your tribe, specifically your parents, your own nature now becomes dangerous. The nervous system says, I cannot present that behavior. So you, you're now sitting in the midst of the, of the deepest trauma there is. Who I am, I cannot be. But you cannot be anything else but that. So suddenly, all your natural impulses become a danger. The nervous system has to surround them, has to push them aside, has to make sure that they don't get out and, and be seen, because if they are, you're going to be hurt, and instead creates uh, phony behaviors, inauthentic behaviors that are designed to simply get what you need from the, from the environment. That is the essential trauma. And so what happens is we because of the nature of the nervous system trying to protect you and the defensive posture, you are in conflict with your own nature. The, your, your real self trying to get out can't get out because there's all this stuff in the way. Wow. Um, and this is what we feel. This is the essential suffering. We get into adulthood and you're still in this defensive posture. You know deep down inside you have access to, to way more inner resources uh, they, you have more inner resources than you have access to, and we begin to wonder why. Why can why do I not have access to this? And that's where we end up on the spiritual path, the personal development path, to try to reawaken what in fact has been there the whole time. Mm -hmm. But there's this defensive mechanism in place that's keeping it from being seen, well, that dismantling, makes sense. Mm -hmm. dismantling the defensive mechanism, dissolving it is what this is all about. There's only one way to do that, and that's to show it that it's safe. Well, that makes so much sense. You know, if you think about it, now, as, you were, as you were saying, these defensive mechanisms that we learn early on in our childhood or in places wherever, because it is, you, you know, you're protecting yourself. You make these amazing, amazing adjustments to, in order to survive. You know, yes. Wherever you're at, if you have parents who are absent or negligent or abusive, or distant or whatever it may be, a child will automatically, because they're absolutely, completely, totally dependent upon their caregiver in order to feed them, yes. take care of them, do it. So they're going to do whatever is necessary in order to make the adjustment so that they can be taken care of it's, and to feel safe. And yep. you will do whatever, you know, you will, you will fit in. If you end up uh, having parents that are dysfunctional, you will fall in like I, you know, uh, fell in, into this mediator pattern where you're, you're modulating your parents in order to make sure that everybody's okay and you feel like you suddenly take on the role of a peacemaker. When it's not your role to take, you're supposed to be a kid and feel safe and go play and do that. And so, uh, and that lays the groundwork for codependency. <laughs> you know? It does. Yeah. It also creates the environment, and this is what makes it so sticky. 
and it was the essence of what I saw at 19 years old. That separation took place, and I saw that I was not that conditioning. I didn't even know. I didn't have a word for it at that time, right? I had no idea. I just saw that there was something essentially innocent and pure, and then there was all this other stuff that I didn't quite. I didn't quite understand. It took me a long time to finally come to understand it. But what happens in that? Because the nervous, remember, this is happening before you can talk, pre language, pre everything, right? Mm -hmm. This is this is completely instinctive. So that by the time a sense of self begins to develop, these patterns are already there, and then our sense of identity gets formed by examining these sets of defensive behaviors, and then we determine, oh, this is who I am, this is all I can do, these are my limits. Of course, it's not true. You know, it's like water being poured into this tiny jar thinking, this is it. This is all I am. No, you're stuck in a jar. That's all. There's nothing wrong with you, mm -hmm. right? Open the lid, pour it out. And that's the nature of the nervous system. It takes the shape of whatever environment it's in. That's how it survives. Highly adaptive. But when our sense of identity comes online, the world in which we decide who we are is this tiny little uh, contracted environment that's only what we're allowed to express uh, to the environment it, both the truth whatever is truth that can be expressed plus all the the falsity just all the defensive posturing um, and then we start thinking that that's who I am and that's when that's the, the, the that's really where it becomes difficult because it's not you yeah. well, you are not your conditioning Yes, and, and it's so hard And when we become adults in order to figure out who we are and how do we get into all those. You, I mean, your body is on, automatically <laughs> putting on those defenses without you even yes. knowing it. And so every time you're trying to fight, you know, against all not only this conditioning, but any karmic patterns that you may have inherited. Any, I mean, so it really is a challenge in order to be able to extract yourself and to really get to a sense of I'm OK, who I am, I'm enough. And that's that's okay, and being safe in who you are, and that's ultimately what the journey is: is really to know and to arrive at. I'm okay. I'm okay unconditionally with the world around me. I'm 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 enough just as I am. Love me for who Amen. I am. <laughs> you know. Amen. And that's what that's what spiritual awakening actually is. It's not, you know, it's not the heavens parting and the angels singing and, you know. Um, and everything is everything is rainbows and dolphins from then on out. It, it is the realization that you're not your conditioning, mm -hmm. and 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 that the I you actually are is perfect and beautiful and resourceful and open and loving and giving. It's not it's not behaviors you have to adapt or some kind of uh, attainment you have to make. Mm -hmm. You discover that this has been there the whole time. It has just been squeezed out of shape. Um, and so that you, that you are enough, but if, if you're still believing you're your conditioning, then you're not going to feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. the condition, conditioning isn't enough. It's yeah. totally inadequate. Right. The conditioning you receive at five years old when it gets stuck is totally inadequate for somebody who's 40. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's dangerous. <laughs> it is not totally <laughs> inaccurate. <laughs> 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 I agree with you. So that is absolutely true, GP. Um, you created this uh, this program called Inner Reconciliation, and it and it grew out of this lifelong understanding and love of spirituality. 
uh, and your practice of spiritual healing, your, your mastery of meditation, and various other healing modalities, and your great desire to bring this end, uh, or bring an end to suffering for humanity. How can we achieve inner reconciliation? And we talked about all these patterning and all these conditioning that blocks us from being who we are, and being authentic, and being genuine, and being... And, and stop, we, when we finally stop pretending to be somebody that we're not and finally just accept and love who we are exactly as we are, how can people who have experienced so much trauma in their lives, who feel hopeless and helpless, ever be able to feel passionate about their lives again? Well, um, it's subtle, um, but it's, it's actually easy to do. Um, remember that as I said in the beginning, this entire thing is created by um, a, a relationship that's established with your, with your caregivers in which you're not safe. And because of that lack of uh, absence of safety, the nervous system does all sorts of compensations to keep you as safe as it possibly can. Right? Mm -hmm. Now, we recognize that, um, that our life isn't working. We're not thriving. We're not, you know, we're not, you know, we find ourselves limited and not know why. We try to do things and we just, for some reason, things don't happen. Or you forget something. I mean, all sorts of things uh, tend to get in the way and we begin to wonder what's going on. Then we, but then we start down the path of, okay, well, I, I get it now. We read the self-help books and or even meditation, some spiritual practices. Okay, I'm going to fix me now. Right, mm -hmm. I'm going to make this all better. So I start doing all these processes on myself and the like, and you find that they either get really meager results or no results at all. Or maybe they work for a minute and then they stop. Like, well, what? Okay, well, I need more of that. Well, remember, the thing that put the nervous system in the defensive posture in the first place was a rejection of who you were. Now, when I start on the self-help uh, path and I start telling myself I have to get fixed, I'm doing exactly what happened to me in the first place. And of course, the nervous system is already perfectly defended against it. You're going to get absolutely nowhere. It's, you know, it's like, yeah, whatever. I mean, it completely brushes you off, right? Mm -hmm. So what's the solution? Well, simple, love, mm -hmm. self acceptance and i don't mean acceptance of myself when i get to this place where i'm you know i've i've checked all those things off my list but right now and for me that self-love is extremely practical it means being willing to be present with the most uncomfortable and difficult feelings that you have mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that is the only way because the the mechanism that keeps the real you suppressed makes it feel as if the real you cannot come out because there's going to be danger. Right? Yep. So yep, when, you, that's right. When, you, when, when you begin to approach the real you, oh, all sorts of things are going to go off. <laughs> We're going to want to be distracted. We're going to, you know, oh, look, somebody on Facebook. I got an email. Ding, another text, right? Anything to keep you from going to that place, which in the beginning made sense because it was dangerous to go there. Mm -hmm. But now we're not in that position anymore. We're, our job now is to reclaim that lost territory, and there's only one way to do that, and that is to make yourself safe for yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to become your own best friend. You have to become filled mm -hmm. with self-acceptance, and the way that happens is you simply let yourself be with 
your feelings as they are. And that's the essence of, of meditation. It is simply being present as the witness to whatever happens to be here. If it's uncomfortable, it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. If it's blissful, it's blissful. Mm -hmm. No story, no resistance. And of course, those that's the discipline of it because mm -hmm. the resistance is automatic. Mm -hmm. We find ourselves wanting to be distracted. Just bring yourself back. Um, and that's what inner reconciliation is. It starts with simply body awareness, being completely present with what you're feeling. And the more adept you become at being present with yourself as you are, the more the material comes to the surface. But the beautiful thing about it is the material has come to the surface because it's, it's, it's in a space that's increasingly safe. The pain is less. The suffering is less. The trauma is less because there's no resistance to it. The, the resistance is the, is the cause of suffering, not the actual circumstances, not the sensations, not the thoughts, and not the emotions. No, I agree. Uh, GP, when I was uh, <clears throat> experiencing uh, several years ago, when I first became, uh, became familiar with meditation, I was uh, in a severe major crisis of complex uh, PTSD. And I knew I was in a lot of trouble. I was, uh, it was, I had turned away from any kind of sense of the divine. I was either agnostic or didn't believe whatever I was at that point. And <clears throat> I found uh, a practice, uh, it was a Course in Miracles, and I was using that as a way to just ground because I knew I was in some serious trouble. My life was in danger at this point. And I started to do it, and I had so much resistance to it. And there were days when it did not work. There was days when this is a bunch of nonsense. I can't believe this. Why I'm doing this? Why am I doing this? And this is a bunch of crap. I don't know what people are talking about. But I kept at it. I kept doing it. I, 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 I resisted my own resistance. And, you know, it's become now such uh, – it's incredible. From where I was before to where I am today – it is night and day. And so, I mean, I can't, you know, coming from that place where you had so much going on, and it is a, it's a nightmare when you have that experience. And then getting to a new place where, you know, self-acceptance and that rejection you were talking about. My gosh, it just, uh, you know, talking about the, the book that I just, <laughs> I just uh, 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 published. The whole idea was uh, resisting my own self-defeating thoughts. My, this is not this is not good enough. Nobody's going to want to read it, or whatever <laughs> it is that I would say. You know, as it was done, why should I promote it or even talk about it? And so I was constantly doing that very thing that you're talking about, as I was rejecting myself, which was at the core of the problem was rejection, and having been rejected yes. on some level, and, and in turn, I'm really abusing myself or of other, you know, because I'm rejecting myself and my own gifts and my own yes. talents and all that yes and it i mean you can't self-acceptance is you know it's kind of a buzzword in new age circles i always like to point out it's simply being willing to be present with what you're feeling right now it's mm -hmm. not a, it's it's not something fancy <laughs> yeah. Right. What are you feeling right now? Okay, let's just be with that for a second. That's it. That is the whole of unconditional love. And in that moment, the moment you do that, you will notice a shift in the inner energy. Mm -hmm. Because it takes two to have a conflict. If you drop out of the fight, there isn't a fight. 
And so now the energy is just going to be in the form that it's in. And the more you see that, the more that's the natural emergence of, of, of compassion. Mm. And that space heals all the wounds. That's where always does it. Everything else is an aid to get to that space. Mm -hmm. The space of, of, of genuine, unconditional love is the only thing that's ever healed anything, ever. Well, I agree, and uh, I think that uh, what I would love to talk about now is uh, what is meridian tapping? You know, you're talking about uh, the power of touch and healing and how it can be in our bodies. Could you explain to our audience a little bit of what is meridian tapping? Sure, I'd love to. Um, I actually discovered it late in the late in the game, just like the early 2000s, maybe maybe 15 years ago. Um, uh, it was uh, created by a fellow named Gary Craig. It's got a, a beautiful history behind it. I won't get into all of that. Um, and I'd already been, you know, spiritual teaching and working. I had kind of the essence of, of inner reconciliation. And then I ran across this practice that really engaged the body. And when I examined it very closely, I found it to be just brilliant. Uh, for those who might not be familiar uh, with it, Meridian Tapping is, was originally called emotional, the Emotional Freedom Technique, mm -hmm. created by a fellow named Gary Craig, or EFT as it's abbreviated. It's now become tapping in various forms, and some people who, who kind of wanted to make their own thing called it. But Meridian Tapping, it's okay. What, uh, it's based on acupuncture, the, the uh, points, but it's uh, incredibly simplified because... Um, I, I know about you, but I don't want to go sticking needles in my face <laughs> myself at, at, at home. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that either, GP. <laughs> so, I, you know, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that feels great. Um, <laughs> that was great. What, he, what GP was talking about was awesome. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Let me have another one. Um, and, and he just broke it down. So instead of using the needles, you tap on very specific parts of the body. And there have been measurable results, uh, biofeedback and other kinds of machines, is the effect that that has. And it's, it shouldn't come as any surprise. If you ask you, just look at, you know, what do you do when you're surprised? You do something like, oh, or, oh, right? Mm -hmm. Or, this, right? If you're worried, you might do this mm -hmm. or this. You're thinking about something, you tend to do this. Those are the points. The body very naturally knows that there are certain places that when it gets touched, it triggers, uh, it triggers a, re a relax uh, reflex. So I call them the comfort spots. And all that EFT has done, or meridian tapping, has basically taken those, formalized those into a little bit of a process, added a little cognitive psychology so you could direct the energy that you're experiencing in that moment mm -hmm. towards something very, very specific. And for me, um, there, you know, there's a lot of scientific talk. There's been a lot of science about it now that's been done about the effect of it. And it's been, it's proven to actually be effective, although there's no real working theory as to why, except for me, I've got mine. And what I, what I think it is, is that this tapping conveys through touch safety. Wow. Wow. wow, wow. And if, and if you combine that with a, with, a, with a compassionate relationship with your own feelings, you, you're, you're, man, it's a double whammy. You are literally filling the system with a sense of, I am safe, even in the presence of extremely traumatic material. So a trauma might get triggered, the, the feelings and everything comes up. But if you start doing this, not fighting the feelings at all, 
simultaneously, while you're having this reaction, your body's getting this message. It's okay. You're safe. There's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. It, and of course, because it's an adaptive system, the moment it detects that shift in the environment, it begins to respond to it. And, well, how, and, and, how is this touching? Quickly. How is this touching just in your body in certain ways? How does this heal our our physical and emotional ailments? I mean, yeah, that is it just because of that sense of safety and knowing where all those things are? Can it actually? I mean, you see, we're talking about some of the studies that were connected to it as well. Wasn't there a Harvard study as that? that yes. Yeah. There, there have been some. There have been some major league uh, studies on on this stuff. Mm-hmm. The the thing is that we do not really understand. You know. Um, and as the conflict goes on, I get a lot of criticism as a, as a spiritual teacher because I take a very different view of the model of the universe. I don't see it as being that we are, I don't see us as being just a big blob of uh, atoms. There's way, way more to us. Mm-hmm. And, I so and agree. So, yes. <laughs> um, and, and it's self-evident, although it's not something you can objectively prove. You know, you can't, you can't put somebody in the lab and, <laughs> and examine awakening. I mean, you can't, you can't do it. There's effects that things have mm-hmm. but the actual experience itself is totally is totally subjective so it means there's an incredibly subtle relationship between the it's what i i call it the energetic level for for lack of a better word um it's the it's it's the level that's there in in buddhism they refer to it as the repository consciousness it's there even it's there in between lifetimes it's kind of this place where all sorts of things are are, are stored um and if you create an environment in which energy, I mean, literally, it's been shown in the research into, into, into trauma that it literally there's an energy. It's, you know, fight or flight. And if you can't do that, the energy that's supposed to go into fight or flight cannot discharge itself. So it literally gets stored in the body because if it doesn't, you die. It just explodes. You just boom, it ends. So the, the, the counterbalance for when you're in a position and you can't run and you can't fight, which, by the way, is childhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you freeze as a child. You can't run, you can't go anywhere, you freeze. You're frozen. Yep. And so in order, it, 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 you're either going to just completely become dysfunctional, and I've known some people like that, or that energy is going to have to get uh, get taken somewhere, stored for later, when sometime it can be discharged. The problem is it builds up and we don't discharge because we don't know how to do that. We distract and suppress, we don't discharge. Um, and of course, because it is it is a subtle energy, but it also manifests as a physical energy, physical ailments are, are caused by it. Thought patterns are caused by it. Belief systems are caused by it. Emotional patterns are caused by it because, the, because there's this stuff going on inside that you have to compensate for. So if you can get to that and actually relieve that essential energy and let it discharge, um, what's going to happen? Well, the entire flow of energy through your entire system is going to shift, mm-hmm. right? I mean, somebody's just unkinked the hose. The water's going to start going. Right, 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 right. And it's, you know, and when you're feeling that way where it's all of a sudden, I mean, I've had that sense of we're all like all of a sudden my whole body opened up in a completely different way because it was like all this trapped feelings, you know, in my body because I was allowing myself to finally relax and getting to a place of safety that I wasn't constantly, and I realized I was constantly, even when I was relaxing, my mind was constantly racing. My mind was constantly going in a way, you know, so that I was never really feeling, it's okay to just let go. 
it's okay to just surrender right now in this moment, just being present, just being here. I don't have to be anywhere. I don't have to do anything. I don't have anywhere else to go. I can be just right here. But it took me a long time to be able to get to that place. And you say a lot, uh, GP, that we are not broken. <laughs> that we're not broken. You know, and boy, I'll tell you what, when I was, <laughs> when I was in that place, I wouldn't have believed you, you know, because I felt broken. No. I felt shattered. Things are going crazy in my mind. And the, the nightmares, the dreams, the everything was, it was, I felt like I was about to just explode. And so when you say you're not broken, most people feel quite broken. How can you make such a radical, radical statement? <laughs> uh, well, I've got more radical statements, but we'll stick, we'll, stick with, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with this one for a minute. Okay. Notice that when I just everything I described to you about how the nervous system gets into that position, you know what, what happens, our our misunderstanding, our misidentification with conditioning as if it's ourselves. All of that's natural. All of that just happens. This is the way the system works. So it's not broken. It's functioning perfectly. It did exactly what it needed to guarantee that you survived. And I know that you did because you're all listening here now. And if, and if it didn't work, you wouldn't be listening to this. <laughs> and if it didn't work for me, I wouldn't be sitting here talking. Or would you, Charlie? Yeah. So when you really look carefully at it, there's nothing wrong with you. The thing, the thing is, though, now you are aware that the way you, your nervous system has been conditioned to train to be and to react is no, longer, uh, is no longer appropriate for where you are in your life. At the time, it was perfectly appropriate. This is exactly what had to happen, right? But, but the nervous system gets stuck in a position, especially when we're very little. You know, that is our whole world, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't know there's anything outside of it. So the nervous system in order to feel safe, perfectly maps this area, this territory. Okay, I've got it down now, and it can relax a little bit, mm -hmm. right? Now, if, if it gets stuck there enough over time, it will, get, it will get stuck there, so that even though this, the rest of the world changes, it still assumes that it's like this. And that's the boundary we keep running into. And of course, that boundary is maintained by our sense of identity, right? This is how the whole thing fits together. Um, and so it's not that you are broken. <clears throat> it's not that there's a flaw. It's only that you have simply been trained to be in a certain position. Mm -hmm. the, the system did what it was designed to do. The very fact that you can become aware of that means that your awareness isn't broken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. so if, if you start from the point of view in every morning, not that oh, i got these problems that I've got to fix, but instead, you start from the point of view, okay, I, I'm not actually broken, but there's a lot of things that aren't working the way I want them to. It's a completely different approach to your life. Yeah. 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 And, and if you're not broken, and it's true, that empowers you uh -huh. to repair the things that are. Yes, and that is such right? an important I, thing. I really, yeah. I really don't want somebody broken trying to help me. <laughs> <laughs> no. And a lot of times people do do that, a GP, is that they're broken, and then they go into, and that's normal for people who are compassionate, they end up going in to try to help other people from their brokenness, but they're not coming from a place of, you're, you're not broken. They're coming from a place that you are broken, and that sets in the dynamic, there's something wrong with me. 
there's something that I, that is unfixable. There's something here that I, you know, right. it, it creates a dynamic where you feel guilty and shame. It adds to that sense of shame that, wow, you know, everybody else is okay and I'm not. I'm bro-. So yeah. it, it, it perpetuates itself. <laughs> so it's a, it's a completely yeah. re- switching the, I, the paradigm so that you can understand you're not broke. If you're coming from that place, then you're saying, all right, let's see how we can break this down. Let's see what we can do differently. And what's really important about the, about that, and you and you mentioned it, because people get uh, as they start down a path like this, they get kind of they kind of get pushed off, uh, they get sidetracked because they think you're not supposed to feel broken. Oh, you will feel broken, yeah. right? But what what you feel and what, what is true are not the same. What we're doing is we're bringing the nervous system in line with what's actually true, right? That's the big difference. So yes, you're going to feel limited. You're going to feel broken. There's going to be a sense of being of of suffering, but that's not the reality. Mm-hmm. That's just the experience. Recognizing that empowers you to begin to take the experience and begin to harmonize it. Mm-hmm. Bring it closer and closer to what is actually true, and the truth is, you are an infinitely divine being. GP, could you and I? I mean, we're coming. It's amazing how fast this show goes. Uh, we're coming down towards the end. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind gracing the audience just with a simple technique, something to alleviate some of their deepest wounds and traumas, uh, as well as minor irritation, so people can understand just a little bit of the work that you do. Sure, I'd love to. It's an example I like to use, and I'll put a little, I won't do a full EFT kind of thing on it, but I'll, I'll bring some of the touch in it because people will feel the difference. Okay. Um, so I would just invite everybody to uh, close your eyes if you can. It's not 100% necessary, but if you can, um, just close your eyes. And, and the moment you do that, of course, your attention is going to begin to focus inward because that's just the nature of it. Our eyes are very much an outward-facing thing. They're a very good tool for that. So when you cut off what's being seen, you've cut off the form of things. Now just sink into the actual feeling of your body. Just notice how it feels. You'll feel some tension somewhere, maybe some relaxation, maybe some pain. If your tension goes to your arm, you'll notice that your mind will say arm and maybe even show you a picture of the arm. Just say, thank you. I don't need you right now. And let your attention be on how it actually feels, the kinesthetic sense of your being. And yet, now you'll also notice if there's some kind of a feeling, an uncomfortable feeling, that right on the heels of that uncomfortable sensation, there'll be kind of an impulse to want to move away from it, or to judge it, or to get, get rid of it. Notice that and say, okay, but I'm just going to be with it instead. It's not going to kill me. Yeah, I'd prefer to be running away right now, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to stay here, and I'm going to be with it. And I'm just going to watch it. And notice, it'll probably change. It'll fluctuate. Sometimes just that bit of attention will make a a discomfort vanish. Because that's all it needed was a little bit of attention. Sometimes not. It's okay. We don't have an agenda here. This is completely. This is completely 
goal-free. We're only here to simply observe, to just look, to be the aware witness. No judgment, no criticism, no agenda, no mission, just presence. And notice how doing that has an effect. The entire system begins to respond to it. Many people, even at this point, their minds have already started to quiet down a bit. So you don't need 20 years of meditation. Only thing, it doesn't take long. It's just where your attention gets focused. And now to just kind of sweeten the pot a bit, bring to mind something you really want but don't have, never been able to get perhaps, maybe even something you've given up on. And when you do, just notice the sensations that run through your body. Maybe a clenching or feeling of resistance. Exactly the same thing. Just keep your attention on the feeling without any kind of agenda to change it or fix it. And just be present with it. And notice what happens to that energy. You are right now owning a desire simultaneously owning the resistance of the desire and therein is the essential conflict but notice you're not in the conflict right now you have stood apart now I call that position the peacemaker you're, you're allowing both energies that are inside of you equal time now, as you're doing that, and of course, one part of you is going to want to grab onto the thing I want. The other part of you is going to want to push away what I don't. That's also natural. That's the natural attachment and aversion, which is the cause of suffering. <laughs> Just allow both of those to be there. You have no issue with anything. <laughs> and now, just to kind of sweeten it a bit, just tap lightly on your collarbone. It's one of the points. Nothing special about it, but just keep watching your feelings, watching the sensations you're having, watching the resistance come, the desire come. And as you're tapping, notice the effect it's having on the nervous system. It becomes very visible now. And notice how everything is getting more quiet. It's getting quiet because you've stepped out of the role of the fixer or the improver or the, you know, spiritual aspirant. And in this moment, you are just pure presence. So as we begin to come back, notice that I did not fight with anything. I didn't make anything wrong. I didn't have any preference for one feeling over another. I was completely open and equanimous. And take, stop tapping for a second and take a deep breath and just kind of let that energy sink in. And just notice how that energy just flows through your entire body. <laughs> 
very simple, but it's, but it's really quite noticeable. Mm. So uh, take another breath. Move your body a bit. When you're ready, you can uh, open your eyes. <laughs> wow, GP, that was amazing. My goodness. I feel so, so much calm. I mean, here I am broadcasting uh, live uh, out to <laughs> tens of thousands of people all around the world, and I feel so present. There's such yeah. a difference. You know, there's a, a natural excitement and energy and anticipation and all those things that you were talking about. There's that sense of just being fully present and yes. that energy that moved through. Wow, and that was so, so simple. It's so incredibly simple. simple. And all it is is the relationship you have with experience. Enlightenment is nothing other than when you recognize that that place from which you are watching all of this happen is your true self. Yeah. And how, that's it. That's amazing. That's all there is to it. That's amazing. Uh, that's, an, that's incredible. And, and you know, you, uh, you, sh you, have a, you have, you're primarily a spiritual teacher, but how does all this energy healing and tapping fit in with a spiritual practice or spiritual seeking? I mean, I could feel the difference just being fully present. Does this lead to something that helps us on our way? Yes, uh, absolutely. You'll find in the process of spiritual growth, um, even after awakening takes place, you know, for me, my first major awakening happened when I was 19 years old. Mm -hmm. But I was a total dysfunctional mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? So on one side, I'm talking to God. On the other side, I can't tie my own shoes. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but I'm yeah. totally dysfunctional. Yeah. Right? So the, the, the awakening, that sense of self, needs to move into the whole nervous system. Mm -hmm. This is not, it, it, you know, everybody hears the stories of the great awakening of the sage. You know, people don't know the six years of utter austerity that Buddha went through before mm -hmm. that happened. You know, the path a lot of people have walked before that opening finally took place. Mm -hmm. And even afterwards, people, oh, that's it, you know, game over. Nope. Nope. That is just the beginning. I refer to it as the post-awakening practice or the post-awakening sadhana. Mm -hmm. And that is where this enormous compassion begins to be turned more deeply inward until every bit of what isn't you gets dissolved out of the system. And not just for you, but for others as well. Yeah. Well, and that's, uh, you know, and I, that's it. On my, on my journey, there has been so much uh, that you have to confront and uh, getting to the truth of things and... and the truth of who you are, the truth of who I was, and, and being able to align yourself with that kind of integrity and being able to, um, you know, trust in the process. And because, yeah, you only see the end result. You don't see that whole period that's involved in order to get yeah. to that end result. And so, Every one of your listeners right now is living the Buddha story. And at some point, they'll be writing the books and talk about them, mm -hmm. right? But right now, it looks like, oh, what do you mean? I'm just, you know, I'm just sitting out here in my coffee. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? <laughs> no. It, you know, the, it is, it's the end that defines the character of the story. And mm -hmm. the end for all of us is the same. The total awakening to the reality of who you are. And that's, that is your, it's your destiny. That is all of our destinies. I, uh, my goodness. Uh, GP, I can't believe we're here towards the end of the show. I do want people 
to know that you have a free gift to give our audience, The Healing Power of Touch. Uh, it's included. If you're interested, email me at charlespacello.com. That's Charles, one, all, all one word, charlespacello at gmail.com. And I will give you the link to that for our audience members. And uh, what do you want, uh, you know, how can people get in touch with you, contact? Uh, is there an easy way just to get to your website? Is that the be- best way to get in contact with well, you, gtwalsh.com. Okay. Um, if you go to YouTube slash gtwalsh, I've got like 650 videos up there. Wow. Um, I do a live uh, streamed satsang every Sunday at uh, 4 o'clock Eastern Time, which is 1 o'clock on the Pacific Coast. It's uh, what, 9 o'clock in London um, uh, that I do. It goes for about two hours where I just answer questions about just about anything for people. I do a, a meditation, a live stream meditation on Facebook every Wednesday morning at uh, 12 noon Eastern. Um, but you can, uh, yeah, you can get it uh, com and on, and, on, and on YouTube. You can check out all the, the videos that I have. So there's plenty to do. I've been doing it for 10 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, GP, it has been a, just a, uh, a real pleasure meeting you and talking with you today. And I met you at the uh, conference in Vegas a few week, months ago. And it's just, my goodness, I, you're such a blessing to have you on the show today. So thank you so much. Um, Thank you for your work, Charles. Oh, what, uh, just a drop in the just a drop in the ocean. Uh, hopefully. Um, well, the, but you know, the moment the drop hits the ocean, it becomes the ocean. True. I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. I can't argue. With, and you've got that beautiful view behind you. Uh, like, oh my gosh, it's incredible. I hope uh, the people have enjoyed yeah. watching it and seeing it. Uh, I always ask before I close the show out, GP, run real quick question for everybody. Um, if you could give one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? Well, it would be that you're not broken and that the essential, original, pristine innocence purity and fullness that you've been seeking has never been lost. It has been obscured but like the sun behind the clouds you can't see it for a minute but it's still there. You've never been corrupted, you've never been tainted you've never been broken and this is a path of rediscovering that. It's not a path from being broken to getting fixed. It's a path of realizing you've never been broken in the first place. That's so beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> what a gift to give everybody in this audience from all around the world. Uh, you are not broken. And uh, there is a way to unravel and to get to the truth of who you are. Uh, go to gpwalsh.com. It's, uh, this is a true master. And it's been an honor and a blessing to have you on, sir. I want to thank everybody here at KUHS Denver. You are watching this show uh, as because of KUHS. Uh, Henry and everybody here, we've got the best shows. Tune in to KUHSDenver.com. You know, the love doctor. you got Sylvia. We have all kinds of great personalities. Uh, Rhonda and uh, some of the best music. Uh, tuning in. People are tuning in from amazing. We have uh, Belgrade, Istanbul, Montenegro, Paris, Maputo, Czechoslovakia, Patia, 
to Thailand, just to name a few of the people who are tuning in from around the world to the council right now. Thank you. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Uh, we will be back with the council next week from Italy. God willing, everything works. Uh, until then, may you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. Council is adjourned. God bless. We'll see you next week.